I had this thought, problems are meant to be solved. They're not meant to be held, passed on to somebody else. They're meant to be solved. The greatest problem solver in the universe is God. He had a problem, so to speak. He looked out across the velvet blackness of the universe, and there was no one like him. And he said to the Spirit and to the Son, let us make man in our image. Now imagine that thought right there. He solved a problem. There's no one like us, but we can make a really close replica. Not of God, but of our image. And why did they do that? Because there was something in the heart of God that wanted to solve a problem and extend love. You see, you're an extension of the problem-solving God and the love of God in, in your world. And when you act out, when you live out your faith, you're really living out the image of God in your world and you're representing him in all ways. So that when you say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, you speak with authority. You don't speak as someone who's guessing, reaching into the wind to grab it. You're speaking as someone who literally has authority from the Father. Now, I want to give you three thoughts that came to me uh, initially because I, I really believe they're going to help guide this message. Number one is you have a home court advantage as a Christian. It may not feel like you have a home court advantage, but when you're living out your life, remember, Jesus said, all authority and power is given unto me, and I send you out in that power and that authority. That's a home court advantage. It's the idea that someone, when they're telling you about their problem, whether it's financial, physical, emotional, relational, any other way, you have a solution. You have an advantage. You're not stopped by what doctors say. You're not stopped by what accountants say. You're not stopped by what political leaders say. You can actually move beyond that and see his kingdom come on earth. Over and over again, we see the hand of God bringing about healing in our congregation. Going outside of our congregation, we hear reports. We hear miracles happening all the time. They're not supposed to be unusual. They're supposed to be a common occurrence for those who are created in the image of God because we are problem solvers. When you embrace a problem, you complain about your problem, and you try to dump your problem on someone else, you're not representing the image of God. Now, some of you right now feel a little bit weight from that statement. Because you've been carrying this burden, you'll ask people, how you doing? Well, pretty good under the circumstances. Well, why are you under them? Get out from under them and find a way to thrive through the situation you find yourself in. Because I guarantee you, Jesus said, you know, how much life did it ever give you to worry about something? I'm just worried. Is that helping? That never helps. We've all worried. Anybody here worried? Yes, testimony of worry. Did it do any good? No. Did it make everybody around you miserable? Yes. That's part of the joy of worry. It's a gift that keeps on giving, amen? The second one is, there is a pattern to how God works. Once you start to understand the pattern of how God works, you can fall in sync with the pattern. 
And this is really important. For example, if we're talking in the faith area, faith always begins with what if. What if? And then, you know, and your mind begins to resonate that, and then your emotion begins to kick in, and you go, yes, this is what I'm going to trust God for. And then you go out on a limb, and you begin to say, this is what God is doing, and then all of a sudden, the next thing that happens, you go, why did I even make that commitment? That's a pretty big thing. But as you start to see the pattern, God uses all of those ebbs and flows in your faith journey to bring you to the completion and the realization of what he was doing all the time. But you see, if you get discouraged in the why not now, which is my third idea here, and that is that God doesn't wear a watch. You ever thought about that? Ever wondered, you know, some people don't wear watches, they just use their phones. But have you ever thought about, if you have a watch, how many times you look at your watch? What time is it? You know, is this guy ever going to get done? What time is it? Why, why do we do that? Because we're, we're time conscious. Do you realize that God is not time conscious? That God dwells in eternity? There is no past in eternity. There is only present. There is no future in eternity. There is only present. God dwells in the eternal now. Everything is now. And you see, what happens is we get, we get really confused because we try to reach back and live in the past. Or we try to reach into the future and live too much into that future. God says, live in the present. I'm an ever-present help in time of trouble. That's what God says. So God doesn't wear a watch. You know, there's a, there's a line from Shakespeare from the 12th night, and he says this. He says, some are born great, some achieve greatness, and others are thrust into greatness. Joshua, the subject of our messages, was thrust into greatness. It wasn't that he looked for it, but he found it in an unexpected moment and then felt insecure and unqualified to do what God had pushed him him into. Well, what's the first step if you're gonna solve a problem is you have to face the problem. Now, this is gonna be so practical and yet it's gonna have depth to it. It's so practical and applicable that you can use it in your faith and you can use it in your business. Here's the first idea, face the problem. You see, so often we don't wanna face a problem. We wanna run for our problem, ignore our problem, but if you, if you run from your problem, your problem gets bigger. When you face it, it gets smaller. Let's go to Joshua chapter five and verse 13. It says, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. Now, that little phrase is really fraught with a lot of information if we step back and think about it. They have been 40 years wandering in a wilderness. They have crossed over the Jordan River, and now they find themselves in a place called Gilgal. But they know that that's not the goal, is to get to Gilgal. The goal is to take next Jericho. And Jericho, a fortified city, we learn was all shut up. Look at, look at uh, Joshua chapter six and verse one. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of children of Israel. None went out and none went into it. So here's a fortress. They have not seen a fortress. They have been 40 years in a wilderness wandering, carried along by God. And now they're going to do battle with a formidable enemy. What are we going to do? He had to face the problem. He faced the problem, and if you're going to face the problem, what you're going to learn is sooner or later, you have to walk alone in that problem 
Before the battle ever begins, you have to walk alone. You can have people around you encouraging you, praying for you, pushing you on, but ultimately, if you're facing a battle, you're doing it all by yourself. And you're sitting there going, your mind is, have you ever talked to yourself? I do, and I even find myself answering, right? But I'm talking to myself, can I do this? You can't do this, Phil. Why can't you do this? You can do this, Phil. Have you, do you any, any of you play this game in your head? Or is it just me that's got voices? You know, I look, a couple of more crazies. That's good, I like that. Okay, so you're playing this game and you're talking. Imagine Joshua, he's got basically servants who've wandered in the wilderness, who've never fought a battle in their life. They're gonna face the most formidable enemy and it's the first encounter they're gonna have when they come into the promised land. And I'm sure he's walking around and he's thinking, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna, can I win this battle? Is God, are you gonna be with me? And he's doing all of that talk. He's doing self-talk and God talk all at the same time. But he had to do it alone. Even if he's surrounded by 100 people, he's doing it alone. When you're laying at bed at night and you're thinking about your problems, you're doing it all alone. You might be married, you might have a family, you might have friends, you're still doing it all alone. You have to remember, you cannot solve a problem unless you first solve it alone. Did you hear me? You cannot solve a problem unless you first solve it alone. And this is what Joshua would find out. You know, when we launched this church 10 years ago, 10 years ago today, we didn't know we were launching a church. 10 years ago today, we were trying to figure out direction in our life and what we were going to do. And I, I, I won't lie to you, it was a difficult, challenging moment in our life. And even though Tammy and I were together in that, we were still alone in that also. We had to say, how do we solve this? And she would give me insight, I would give her insight, we would compare notes, but when you're laying in bed and you're like, you're thinking, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if we can do this. I don't know, should I do this? What are we gonna do here? Well, I want you to know we're now 10 years into it. We figured it out. Amen? Amen. We figured it out. I, I wanna show you a, a slide here. It's gonna give you some of the details we're gonna do. Um, so just a kind of reminder, we're gonna be, next Sunday is gonna be a very unique service. It's not gonna be like this one at all. Uh, well, in some ways it will be. It'll have worship, it'll have messages. Uh, we've got a, an amazing drum piece coming in. But I, I want you to look at what's happening here. So some of the people, Sean Boltz is a, is a prophet who's been with us many times, and Sean was the one who in 2011, and we did not know him, had a prophetic word about our church starting on 2-12-12. It would only be later that we would meet him and later that we would have him come and be a part of it. We've asked him to come back. Chad Williams was one of our early speakers over at El Rancho. Some of you were at El Rancho with us. And we had uh, Louis Zapparini is one of our speakers. We'd ask him back, but he's gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, he, he was the... Uh, the theme of the book Unbroken, the best-selling book in the movie Unbroken about the uh, prisoner of war in the Japanese concentration camp. And uh, we sat outside with uh, a very old Louis Zapparini in about 90-degree weather, and uh, that's still up. That video's up. It's amazing. And then uh, so Chad was uh, another speaker we had that summer, and Chad was uh, part of uh, SEAL Team 6, wrote a book called The Seal of God. He's been with us a couple of times. I asked him to come back, and each of those guys and, and myself will bring 20-minute messages. Uh, Tammy will bring a message to you. And then we have Sean Foyt, a Let Us Worship. Uh, we always love it when Sean's in the house. Sean will be officing with us in our new office next door, so we're excited about that. 
And then uh, we have Matt Gilman in the house and Influence Music. Uh, we have really a lot of surprises for you. So uh, when we get done with the service, which will be extended, that means it goes longer. It's a nice way of saying, when are we getting out? We're going longer, all right? But we're going to go outside, and uh, Eve and Jody are going to be catering our food for us. We're going to have just a great experience outside. We've got things for kids. It's really going to be a big day. I want you to come, invite your friends, be a part of what we're doing. Well, let's go back to our story here, because that ties in with what's next. But you see, the other thing about the problem that you face is you have to be emotionally engaged, with that problem. You have to really feel the weight of it. And I don't mean, you know, feel like you, so you're overcome. I mean, you have to feel it to where you have to say, I don't like the way this feels unsolved. I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to find a way. So many people, I think, give up too easy. What happens is when you, when you begin to feel the weight of a problem, you just throw up your hands and say, we can't do this. No, you can do this. Keep moving. You see, there's, some kind of, there's something happens in the divine when we keep moving through a problem where God is waiting for us to move through the problem to, to access his power and his authority in that situation. And I think that's why we miss out on, on some of the things that God wants to do. I, I guarantee you there's been a, a, a lot of things that, that I really believe God for that I wanted to quit in the middle of and, and go, Why? We were sitting in the new office that we closed on on the 26th of January next door, and it's a miracle of God to be able to buy a 22,000-square-foot building. And we're sitting in the office, and I'm looking out of the window, and we're not even moved in. We're doing a demo on it right now as we speak. We've got teams over there that are working and taking things apart and getting it all ready. But I was just looking out, and I said, God, this is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, you ever just been shocked by the hand of God? I just go like, yeah, yeah, I know you're God, but wow, you did a cool thing this time, God. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Maybe it's just me, I don't know. But you also then, when you get emotionally engaged, you then you have to, to you really have to then gather your courage together because you have to start moving. Joshua's standing there, he's looking at Jericho and he goes, I've got to gather my courage and I've got to look at the problem. I've got to really look at the problem. And if you really look at the problem, the first thing you should do is you should default to God. This problem's too big for me, God, but you can do it. Then you begin to see the provision. Look at Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. He lifted up his eyes. Isn't that interesting? He lifted up his eyes. Where were they? They were looking down. You ever look down when you're facing a problem? I don't know what I'm going to do. It's a posture of defeat. And it says here that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, a man stood opposite, opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? What I love about Joshua is he got a little bit in the guy's face, didn't he? Are you with us? Are you with our adversary? And he's got a sword, not at his side, but it's drawn. We're going to learn later, this man is no ordinary man. This is an angelic being. But are you with us? Are you with our adversaries? It's a question we always ask. Are you for me or against me? Are you with me on this? Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be honoring? What are you going to do here? And it's interesting. In verse 14, it says, so he said no. 
But as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said unto him, what does my Lord have to say to his servant? Now, it's really interesting because if you read this too quickly, you're gonna miss out on really all that God is telling us here. (laughs) He's saying, are you with us or with them? He answers, not I'm with you, not I'm with them. He just says, no. You've asked the wrong question. If you ask wrong questions, you'll get wrong answers. You have to learn how to ask right questions. People say, well, I've prayed and I I don't see those answers come. You also have to pray according to the will of God. You have to know what you're praying for is God blessed before you jump into it. And if you don't do that, you're not gonna see answers come. And he says, but the immediate response when he said, I am the commander of the army of the Lord, Joshua knew exactly who he was talking about and look what happened. He fell to his face and worshiped. And this man as he's identified in scripture, does not stop his worship. You know what that tells you? This is God in the flesh. This is, this is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Son of God. Many times you see the angel of the Lord show up. In fact, he only shows up in the Old Testament. The minute Jesus is born, the angel of the Lord never shows up. From that moment on, it's always an angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord, when, when Manoah saw uh, the, the angel of the Lord, he went home and told his wife, he said, we should prepare to die for we have seen God and we're going to die. Something about this commander of the, of the host meant that he was over all the angelic forces of the kingdom. He said, I'm come here and he fell to the, to, the, to the ground and he said, God, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? And if you're gonna face a problem and you're gonna win that problem, you've gotta fall on your face and you've gotta say, God, what do you want me to do? It can't be what can I do? God, what do you want me to do? And worship is the first step toward solving a problem. When, you know what's gonna happen in Jericho? They're gonna send all the worship leaders out in front of the army and they're worshiping God, you see, because what happens is victory is gonna follow worship. And so you start to begin to say, why? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. When you're praising God, you can't be complaining about your problems. You ever tried to do that? Ever heard a worship song about all your problems? Oh, God, I thank you for my problems. How great are they? May they increase. You can see why I'm not on the album. But it's true. But yet, you see, you don't sing them, but you say them. And if you say them, then you're coursing, you're, you're creating the course for your life. That's why you always let praise and good things come out of your mouth. That's why you give glory to God in every situation, even if you don't feel like it. I don't feel like praising. Well, do it anyway. We'd rather hear you praise and fake it than complain and mean it. Amen? All right, so look what happened. So he said, what happens? Look up. Now, I want you to just say, if you're gonna solve them, look up. What do you see when you look up? Walk out into the night and you look up and you see a billion lights resonating in the heavens and you're reminded of Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the earth shows forth his handiwork. 
Look out and see the sun and you go, wow, yeah, it's pretty amazing. The sunset yesterday was amazing. The moon, amazing. You see, those are all reminding you to look up and remind yourself who God is. Jesus said this in John chapter 12, verse 32, and if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. And if you read the context that he's talking about the cross, he said, when they lift me up, I will draw men unto me. I will draw men unto me. I will draw men, women, boys and girls. They're gonna come to me because why? There's something about the cross that is the wisdom of God that confounds the foolishness of man. Amen? And you look at the cross go, this never should have happened. No, it, it could not have happened except for the sin of mankind. And when you look at the cross, you're reminded of your sin and the forgiveness that comes because of Jesus. Amen? Well, I want you to know that we lifted a cross this week. I want to show you a little video if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, it was the windiest day in t- 2022. <laughs> you know, give, give, just uh, up to us to pick it out. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's take a look at this video. And uh, what I love is just, uh, just the heart behind everybody that built it, uh, installed it. The guy right there, he was the guy that built it. Name's Craig. Is this amazing? And this cross came because we had to solve a problem. And the problem that we had to solve was that someone complained to the city about a nine-foot wooden cross or eight-foot wooden cross that we had out in the parking lot because it was taking up a parking place. I said, well, we'll solve that problem. We'll get it out of the parking place, and we'll put a 37-foot cross up instead. Put your hands together. Give God the glory for that. Amen? I don't know who that gentleman is, but I hope he, how he has a lot of mail. Amen? Yeah, let me remind you this. God doesn't, God doesn't come to take sides. He comes to take over. Will you get on my side? Well, can't you see from my perspective? God said, No. I did not come to take your side against your petty argument and your little tiff you got going on with your friend. I came here to take over your life. I came over to be Lord of Lord and King of Kings, and if you'll quit acting like a baby, I can actually be God in your life. Amen? So God, does, he, he just a great God. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. I love this scripture. Listen to what it says. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. It doesn't say there's not going to be weapons and they're not going to be forming. It says they're not going to prosper. They're not going to win. I don't know if you've been watching what's happening up in Canada with the trucks. I mean, this is better than the day after a fast. Right, man, when you get to eat. But all of a sudden, all these trucks say, you know, we're just going to go up there and park, and we're just going to protest all that's going on here. And, and the next thing you know, they get two, uh, $10 million in GoFundMe. So they have enough money to park their trucks and never move them and pay their salaries and their fuel bills for two years. So GoFundMe said, oh, well, there was violence, so we're going to go ahead and seize your money and now listen, this is true. And we're going to donate it to charities we like. Let me tell you something. When you sow to the wind, you sow a whirlwind. And so what happened? 
Well, they got a lot of fight back. In fact, uh, I think it's uh, the headquarters is in Florida, and DeSantis said, we're going to go ahead and bring a lawsuit against you for a violation. Next thing you know, they go, they had a change of heart. Oh, did we say we were going to, no, 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 we're going to refund all the money, and then another GoFundMe kind of organization sprung up and said, hey, we'll distribute all the money to all the truckers, and they got a million dollars in three hours. And when those refunds come in, I guarantee it's going back. You see, here's what happens. When you sow righteousness, you will reap righteousness. When you sow into the wind and sin, you're gonna reap what the wind brings and what sin brings. God wants you to sow into the right stuff and you're gonna see great things happen. You sow into your kids the right stuff, you'll reap right stuff. He says, every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage. You know what that means? This is something you can't get rid of. When you're born into the kingdom, you have the heritage of the servant of the Lord and all its benefits, whether you know it or not. You say, well, how come people don't like me since I I became a Christian? Because God's in you, and he's offensive. That's what the Bible says. You see, when, when the disciples were confused about why people didn't like me, they said, they don't hate you, they hate me. And me and you is gonna be a problem. Because you're gonna walk around, you're the caring, moving temple of the living God when God is in you, and don't be surprised at people going, you know, I don't. You ever had people try to talk you out of Jesus? You know, I, I, I'm a Christian, but I, I just like not one of those fanaticals, born again kind of people. I mean, can't you just be real? I can. The most real person is a person that walks with God. Amen? All right. Psalm 91, 7. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right, but you sh- it shall not come near you. You know, here's the amazing thing is how you can prevail in situations that are absolutely outside of your control. How did, I, how did this happen? How did we get through this thing? God just took care of you. You see... You're going to solve a problem, you have to submit unto the Lord. Right now, where you sit, where you stand, where you listen, wherever you are, outside, inside, wherever, just say this prayer unto God. God, I submit myself unto you. You might even know what that means. Say, well, I'm afraid God will send me to, to Africa as a missionary. Well, I'm afraid what he'll do. Look, God can do what he wants to do regardless of what you pray. You think God is waiting for permission from you? God, God, gosh, I just wish they'd cooperate with me so I could be God for the day. Right? Well, what if I pray that and, and, and it comes about? Well, it probably come about anyway because God is in control of your life. You see, when you gave your life to God, you know what you did? You, you made him Lord, not Lord of some things, Lord of all. And what he does is he goes, he's like the greatest collecting agency in the world. He comes back to collect on his investment. Ouch. You know the most miserable person in the world is a person that's away from God? It's not the unsaved. See, the unsaved person does what comes naturally. They just live their life apart from God and they enjoy sin. The happiest person is a spiritual person that's walking with God on a daily basis. The most unhappy is a Christian who's trying to live in the world. They're straddling the fence. 
And when you do that, you're never happy because you're always trying to go, I just want to be worldly, but I'm not happy. I go over here, I just, ah, ah, I just can't find my place. Well, you've just signed up for misery unless you walk with God. Joshua 5.15, then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take the sandal off of your foot for the place that you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. We've heard this before. Do you remember back in Exodus chapter three and verse five, the Lord saw and he turned aside. This is Moses and God called him from the midst of the bush and he said, Moses, Moses, do not draw near to this place. Take off your sandals, off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Only two times holy ground is mentioned both times, it takes, it requires a removal of a sandal. Why is that so significant? Because you see your sandals in a desert were your life. The hot sand and the serpents could strike your foot at any time. You were saying, I'm giving up my security and I'm recognizing that you are holy and that you are God. So let me ask you a series of questions. Who is the commander of the Lord? He's none other than God himself. He is the one that's overseeing your life. Submit unto him. Why is the ground holy? It's holy because you have a God encounter. You see, any ground can be holy. The ground where you sit right now can be holy when you call it, when you have that presence, when you have that sense of the presence of God where you are. That's holy ground. And, and whether you literally take off your shoe or not, you can acknowledge and say, God, you're God, and this is holy ground. So the question is, what will you do? Will you follow the Lord? Will you follow the Lord? Amen. Let's stand together. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to sing. Father, as we pray, we, we pray that your spirit would fill every heart, would come to everyone who doesn't know you in this place, would bring about a love and a romance with you that is undeniable and and just undefiled in every way. We pray, God, for uh, this body, this this church that we, our gathering place here, and all of its, uh, all of its people, Father, that we would be a great influence in our world that we would give you glory in God, the glory to the God, Father. And, and we know that we came to solve problems. And God, we are image bearers. We're going to solve problems. We're going to see your kingdom come, your will be done. We're going to give glory to God. If you've got a problem right now, just speak it out loud to God. Speak it in your prayers. Speak it out loud. And just say, God, I give you my problem. Just say, I, say it out loud. I give you my problem. I give you my problem. I submit myself under the lordship of Jesus. I give you glory. I give you honor. And I give you power in In Jesus' name.